Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Shankly Sessions, the Liverpool podcast we bring you each and every day out there on the Upper Tier channel on YouTube. If you could do me a favour and head over there and smash that subscribe and bell notification button, I'd really appreciate it. Um, we thought we'd do a little bonus episode today. Um, you know, just to... I know we're all feeling down at the moment, um, but look, we have to try and remain somewhat positive in terms of the league's not over yet. It's close, but it's not over yet. So we'll remain positive. And as the gaffer said today, they'll fight to the bitter end. So got to agree with the gaffer, don't we? And get in behind them, row in behind them and try and give all our support to these players and stuff like that. But today I wanted to jump on. I wanted to address a little elephant in the room um, that I know a lot of Liverpool fans don't really want to talk about. And, and that elephant in the room, of course, is Mo Salah. Um, and it has to be addressed in terms of a number of levels. Um, I mean, I suppose like the thing about it is he plays in nearly every single game. It looks like from the outside that he's undroppable because um, his form post-AFCON has been staggering, to say the least. There's been a massive drop-off. And I know, look, we love Mo Salah. He's an absolute legend at the club. He's a god at Liverpool and stuff like that. We we adore him, you know. He's, he's our... Scouse Egyptian king um, and he's been absolutely fabulous for us over the last number of years absolutely pivotal in our success and amazing as a player for us and a true legend of the club now but if you look at his stats pre-AFCON and post-AFCON the drop-off has been absolutely sensational and although we don't want to sometimes address this I think if this was a midfielder I think if, if, if this drop-off was in defence and it was Virgil van Dijk, we'd address it. I think if it was in midfield with Hendo, and we have addressed it when Hendo's form has dropped off significantly. We have addressed it when Sadio Mane's form dropped off. Um, and I think it would be unfair of us not to discuss Mo Salah's um, massive drop-off in form. And look, don't get me wrong, in terms of work rate, he's there. And in terms of application, he's there and stuff like that. But I just think post-AFCON, since he came back, um, he's he's been a little bit sluggish. Um, he's been taking an extra touch. He's been running down blind channels with balls. Um, his link-up play with Trent and with Hendo on that side hasn't been as slick as it was. Um, that was crossfire balls that Van Dijk was pinging to him they don't seem to do anymore um, and maybe it's defences are um, are copping onto him they're doubling up on him a lot and stuff like that but there seems to be a lack of confidence there even within himself as well like you, you see it the other night and again I'd like to stress this this episode is not on the back of the Spurs result um, I had planned this episode now for about two weeks I'd say but um, you even seen it when he cut into the box there and, and Ben Davis came across and the Mo Salah that we know and love and cherish would have slipped Ben Davis and got that shot away. But Ben Davis had the, the time to get back and block it basically and come across it. Whereas Mo would normally ping that shot into the top corner. So I suppose if we look at his stats pre and post AFCON, pre AFCON, his games he played 26 2,252 minutes, goals 23, goals per game was practically a goal a game, 0.88, assists 9, and assists per game is 0.35. 
So basically speaking, in 26 games, he had 32 goal contributions, as they call it. This is what the new kids on the block call it, goal contributions. Um, then if you look at post-AFCON, post-AFCON, he's played 21 games, a total of 1,503 minutes. He scored seven goals. So his goals per game ratio was 0.33. Now remember that 0.33 from 0.88. So he's gone from nearly a goal in every game to a goal in every three games. Assist six and assist per game, his ratio was 0.28, down from 0.35 prior to the AFCON. So it's been a, a significant and a massive drop-off. Um, and probably has been covered up somewhat in terms of his overall contribution, you could say, to the team in terms of movement and opening up things and stuff like that. But certainly Mane moving into the middle has outshone him in terms of Mane is a totally different player. And we're going to get into some of the key issues when we discuss them uh, with Sadio Mane. But obviously the introduction to Luis Diaz as well has reaped rewards and made a huge difference as well in terms of him seamlessly fitting into the team um, and racking up some goals and some assists um, and his overall play. And, and I suppose what we look at as well, if you look at Luis Diaz, I mean, he's come in and he's kind of become the star, hasn't he, really? Like, all the Liverpool fans are talking about this amazing player now who has come in, Luis Diaz. And Salah, for one reason or another, has become kind of nearly secondary to the conversation. And I just wonder, that that's a key thing. Think about that as we go through the, the episode. Um, but when you look at the key issues and you look what's happened pre and post AFCON, I mean, obviously the disappointment of losing the AFCON must have been absolutely massive. I mean, this guy carried his country on his shoulders. There was a weight of expectation. Um, and again, not dissimilar to Sadio Mane, but you know the fine line between winning and losing, and he played a lot of games in there, some of them 120 minutes. Um, so he had a long month in January of football over there. Um, you know, not necessarily in the best environment, not necessarily the, the best pitches in the world, not necessarily the best officiating in the world either, um, which has to be drawn out there as well in terms of refereeing and stuff like that. It was a debacle at times um, and had a tough AFCON and at the end of it, he had nothing to show for it. And when you seen that penalty shootout and you seen Sadio went over to him and all, and he was he was visibly drained and disappointed. Um, and so much so, he wanted to basically get out of there as quickly as possible and get back to Liverpool and get back into training and back into playing football. Um, and, I, and I think sometimes, and I'll touch on it, I think sometimes players sometimes have to be protected from themselves a little bit in terms of, when you lose a tournament like that after putting so much into it, you know, it's all well and good saying, I want to get back to football and I want to focus again. But maybe, and never question the gaffer, but maybe in this case, maybe he should have been told to take more time off, digest what has happened. You know, nearly like a grieving process, um, you know, where if someone passes away and, and you don't have that time to grieve, you, you throw yourself back into your work straight away or something like that. And then later on, it catches up with you and it suddenly hits you. 
Um, not that this is on the same level, but I mean, in terms of mental fatigue and physical fatigue and stuff like that. You know, and then you look at the disappointment, of course, the World Cup elimination as well. Again, at the hands of Senegal and Sadio Mane. Um, and I just think that one as well is absolutely key as well, because in that case, you're talking about probably Mo Salah as being one of top three players in the world and certainly in the conversation for the best player on the planet and had been all season. So for him to fall at that final hurdle as well, where he's not going to get the opportunity to go with his country to the World Cup to perform on that global stage. And that's not to say performing for Liverpool week on week isn't on a global stage, it is. But that World Cup in Qatar would have been massive to him in terms of him, you know, this global superstar that he has become. And that must have been hugely disappointment as well. Um, so losing on both occasions to Senegal, I'm sure, was tough. And and it, and it doesn't help as well that like your teammate is the, the captain of the other side, basically. You know what I mean? And he's he's the he's the man leading the line on the other side. So it's it's fine lines. You've got the two boys who play up front for us. One highly successful on an international level wins the Afcon qualifies for the World Cup. The other guy on this side, disappointment on both levels and doesn't get the chance to showcase his skills on that global stage in Qatar. So that must have been a tough pill to swallow. Um, so then on top of that, then you have the management of the player and in terms of rotation, from a rotation point of view. And I mean, that's a difficult one as well because you're talking about a guy here who's who's... You know, his focus is to do nothing but only score goals, create assists, create moments of matches, help Liverpool to win things and be successful. And on top of that as well, win certain awards on the way, maybe get in a conversation for a Ballon d'Or, but also the golden boot. Um, and he took off like a rocket, I mean, Prior to the AFCON, the golden boot was in the bag. He was sensational. He was the best player on the planet. He was scoring goals for fun. He was gliding by players. He was leaving players for dead. He was scoring all sorts of different goals. He was creating assists. And, you know, life couldn't get any better for him. Um, but then, of course, you know, post-international breaks, he didn't really have any downtime. He was straight back in again. I think I remember... I think after the AFCON, I think it finished on the Sunday evening and it was a late one because of the, the penalties and all. And I think there was a post out that on either Tuesday or Wednesday, he was back training at Liverpool. And I just thought that that's very quick with no downtime at all to digest internally from a mental point of view what had happened. And this could take an effect on him, you know. Um, the introduction of Luis Diaz, um, who's been sensational for Liverpool, but I think it's had, I think it's had a twofold effect in terms of one, the switch of Mane as we spoke about into the central role, and since he's moved into that central role, he's been sensational. Um, in terms, he's looked like the old Sadio Mane. He's toe poking goals in. He's getting on the end of stuff. He's 
He's creating, he's bringing players onto the game. He's he's doing everything we expect from Sadio Mane. Um, and the Sadio Mane that we had before at that level compared to the dip in his form when he was out on the left. But the other thing I want to talk about as well is, you know, Luis Diaz is now, you know, the bright, shiny new penny on the scene, the new kid on the block. He's on the lips of every Liverpool fan. He's sensational. And he's going to get better and better and better. And look out for Luis Diaz next season. He's going to be unbelievable when he gets a full preseason under himself with those players in that team. And the link of play that's going to happen, he is going to be an unbelievable star in the Premier League. Assuming he remains injury-free and touch wood on that, of course. But what happens is Mo Salah has been that guy at Liverpool for a number of years now. I mean, when people talk about Liverpool Football Club, they talk about Mo Salah. He is the talisman for Liverpool. Virgil, of course, is absolutely world-class and sublime. But people always talk about strikers and guys who score goals. And that's the simple fact of the matter. Alisson, again, unbelievable. There's so many stars in the team. As we've discussed on previous episodes, there's so many international captains in the team. But I think Mo Salah is that guy, and he's absolutely loved in Liverpool, a legend, a legacy, a star, a global star. And this is what has happened to Mo Salah since he came to Liverpool. He's just been blown up as this huge global icon and star, both for football and for Egypt and for his country. And I think what happens is Luis Diaz has come in and took some of that shine away. And Mo is obviously, you know, He's going through the contractual stuff and we'll talk about the contractual stuff. But I think Luis Diaz maybe has taken a shine away a little bit. And it obviously doesn't affect Bobby as much because Bobby kind of has been a little bit in and out of the team this season, but also he's had injuries and stuff like that. So he hasn't been around it as much. And Mane is just not that guy. Mane is not that. Mane is kind of gets going about his business in a, in a sort of a... Would I say a, not a quieter way, but he just he just gets on with it and refocuses and gets on with it. Whereas I think when when Mo does his stuff, at times it's more spectacular, so it gets written about and spoke about more, and he comes across as more of a star. Um, and I think some of that has gone away a little bit. Now, of course, we have to address the other elephant in the room, which is the contract and how long the contract has been going on for. And I think it's um it's a crazy length of time that this contract has been going on for. I think it's been dragging on now for about seven or eight months. And it's getting to D-Day time at this stage. Um, and we've seen all the stuff that's been spun out there. We've seen the bullshit coming out from the agent and all this guy who wants to be, you know, the next Mendes or RAP, previous Real and stuff like that. And I just think it's a bit ridiculous. And I'm not too sure. I kind of understood in the initial stages of the contract, Mo Salah, it's his last big contract. If he wanted to tie himself down to Liverpool for the rest of his career, he wanted some reassurances from Jürgen. He wanted some reassurances from the club. He wanted to see what the club's plan was for the next five to six years, the ambition that they wanted to share. Where did they want the club to go? What was their... What was their um, their plan for the club? You know, the new training ground, training facility, which is world-class and stuff like that. And they wanted, he wanted to see all this. And this was the narrative that was put out there, that this is not about money. 
and I'm not too sure what it's about, but it's clearly somewhere along the line, something related to money in some shape, form or fashion. Because I think if you look at FSG, I think Jurgen Klopp's after signing a new contract till 2026. So he's he's shown he's committed. I think the signing of Luis Diaz, I think, and also um, the pre-contract with Carvalho off uh, Fulham, plus other players to come in that we're looking at. There's no doubt about it. Plus the re-signing and re-contracting of so many players in the summer. And Konate coming in. I think the club has shown more than its share of ambition to Mo Salah in terms of what it's trying to achieve and what it's wanting to do. And that has bore fruit this season in terms of we have been pushing as nearest as any team has come to landing a historic quadruple. We're still in the title race with three games to go. We have the Carabao Cup in the bag. We won it. We have an FA Cup final coming up this week. We have a Champions League final coming up in two weeks. And we still have the potential, if City were to mess up, to potentially win the title as well. And this would be historic. So I'm not too sure in terms of what, what's involved in terms of desire and ambition that the club or the management team can demonstrate to Mo Salah anymore. So clearly the dragon of the hills has come down to money. Um. And he obviously, or his agent obviously, has a valuation that he's putting on his client. And somewhere along the line, that doesn't agree with FSG's or Liverpool's valuation of the of the player. And this this is they're at a, that are at, they're at an impasse, and we're going into the last year of his contract. So the kind of situation we have at the moment is: is he going to resign, or is he not going to resign? And if he's not going to re-sign, what, what is the pathway here? Does he stay with us for the final year? Does he run down his contract and leave on a free? Does FSG and Jurgen Klopp decide to sell him in the summer and replace him? Because we have to potentially get money in from him if he's decided he's not going to re-sign. Does he buckle and re-sign? And it, 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 it's amazing the way this contract has gone because in the first half of the season, a lot of the fan base were just pay him what he wants. He's the best player on the planet, blah, 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 blah. Second half of the season, I think the fan base has changed slightly and said, well, hang on a minute here. You're holding us to ransom here. Um, we've shown you all the ambition we can show you. We're fighting on all fronts for these trophies. We're bringing in new players. We've opened up a brilliant state-of-the-art training facility. We're expanding Anfield even more. What more ambition can the club show? And probably more players to arrive. And we've re-signed all these players. And we brought in Canate and Diaz and all this thing. So they can't really show any more ambition. Um, albeit, I suppose, they could go out like City and sign a Haaland or they could, you know, they could really be serious about an Mbappe or something like that. But I don't think that's in the picture. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's what his thinking is in terms of ambition. I don't know. But what I would say on the contract, I love Mo Salah. I don't want Mo Salah to leave. I want Mo Salah to play the rest of his playing days at Liverpool. But where where is he going to go? Certainly there's places he can go where he'll get more money. He'd get more money at PSG. He'd get more money at Real. 
He'd probably get more money at Barcelona if they wanted him. He'd probably get more money at Man City if they wanted him. But is that where Mo Salah wants to go? Is this where Mo Salah wants to end his career? We've seen Gini Wijnaldum nearly going to Barcelona, switching to PSG because it was more money. Spent the whole year sitting on a bench, barely even sitting on a bench, not in the picture, the forgotten child. We've seen Coutinho going to Barcelona. Didn't work out for him. Had to go to Bayern Munich. Somewhat worked out for him. Went back to Barcelona. Then came on loan to Stevie at Aston Villa. I don't know. Would he have been better if he had a stayed? Who knows? But it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of like Mo Salah at PSG or Mo Salah at Real Madrid doesn't have the ring of Mo Salah at Liverpool. Because at Liverpool, we created, along with his efforts, has to be said, but we created this global star, Mo Salah. We turned him into this iconic footballer, footballer of the year, player of the year, golden boot, Champions League, Premier League, Super Cup, World Club Cup, all these things we won. And that was down to Liverpool, and it was down to Jurgen Klopp, and it was also down to Mo Salah. But I just don't think Mo Salah remains being an absolute global superstar if he moves to PSG or if he moves to Real Madrid. I just don't think it has the same effect. I think what happens is you go in there and you become part of you become part of the furniture. You become a cog in the wheel. You become another name on the squad sheet. You don't become this massive star. And I'm just wondering, Mo Salah, we've seen the problems PSG have had in terms of the Champions League, which is really where the likes of PSG and Real and ourselves and City and all kind of operate, even though we love our domestic leagues and they're so, so important to us and really big as well. But Mo Salah in France winning League One and holding up the trophy, that doesn't work for me. And I don't think it'll work for him. And I think he'd be devaluing himself because we know the Premier League is the biggest league in the world. It's the most watched, has the most money, has the most growth potential. It's going to be absolutely huge. It's going around the whole globe now. These massive broadcasting rights from the US. Eventually, it'll go down the road of its own Amazon Prime or Netflix or something like that, and it'll be absolutely monstrous. And I think this would be a really bad time in Mo Salah's career to exit the Premier League. So for that reason, I think he should resign. And I think this contract thing is having an effect on him as well. Because I think what happens is, I think, as I said, as the season progressed, the card in his hand went from four aces and devalued a little bit due to his performance, due to the AFCON, due to coming out of the World Cup, not, not qualifying for it. And I think his strength in position in negotiating the contract has weakened slightly. And it's also beginning to get on the nerves of the fan base as well, because they're saying, what's the issue here? Eight months, why aren't you resigning? This could be negatively affecting the team. Do you want to stay? Do you not want to stay? Do you want to go? Do you, you know what I mean? You can't seem to get answers out. You know, when, when questions are asked about this, it's, you know, there's a kind of a smile in behind it and it's, oh, the club knows what I want and blah, 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 blah. You just, you know, so I'm sure the contract has had a huge um 
a huge part to play in this as well. But then we also have the mental and physical fatigue of fighting on four fronts. And I say it on the shows all the time, the mental fatigue of chasing down City week in, week out, and trying to maintain that level of nothing but a win every week is good enough. And that must catch up with you eventually. And I just think I look at Mo Salah at the moment, he seems a little bit leggy. His control seems to need an extra touch. His reading of the game isn't quite what it, it was in terms of his link of play with Trent or Mahendo and even finding players like Mane or Diaz or whatever. He just seems to run down these channels and kind of runs out of ideas. Um, or sometimes his control just isn't what it should be. And that's not the mouse Salah that we know and that's not the mouse Salah that played before Christmas. Um, and I'd imagine the pressure on him to deliver week in, week out, playing week in, week out, that coupled with AFCON, that coupled with the pressure of World Cup qualification, that coupled with the pressure of trying to renegotiate a contract um, and trying to you know, produce performance after performance every week that's you know, minimum seven, mainly eight and nine every week. And, and I wouldn't say carry this team, but be a talisman for this team. I'm sure that has mentally and physically drained them as well. And a long season is beginning to catch up on them. Now, at no stage here am I advocating that Mo Salah should be dropped or anything like that. But I think in the last, I think we five games left in the season, in the last five games of the season, we need to be really, really careful in how this is managed because this season really has the potential now to unravel if we're not careful. And, you know, winning a Carabao Cup this season and only that would be a disaster as far as I'm concerned. Um, so in summary, I suppose to sum up Mo Salah's situation, I think he will re-sign for Liverpool. I don't think there's a better option out there for him. You know, Klopp is the one who has really assisted in making this guy a global superstar. He is the figure point in the team. He is the talisman of the team. Um, and I just don't see, I don't see why he would risk all that for an extra bit of money um, when he's already paid wheelbarrows of money anyway. Um, I mean, there comes in question understanding what you're worth and in terms of your branding and your image. But remember that branding and that image. Mo Salah came to Liverpool, signed for a modest fee. Wasn't that crazy? And Liverpool Football Club turned Mo Salah into this global superstar. So when you talk about branding and you talk about imaging and we're negotiating that in contracts with, with agents or con with the clubs, they have to take that into the account to account that the club is pivotal in that as well. Without Liverpool, there's no Mo Salah. And without Mo Salah, you know, the success of Liverpool may not be at the level that it has reached so far. So I think we'll just leave it with that at the moment. But I just wanted to highlight it and I want to address it because I know fans, they don't want to talk about Mo Salah. They, 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 they don't want to think if Mo Salah is going to leave, they don't want to think, well, who do we bring in? Do we really need to look at this? Everyone just assumes that Mo Salah will be there for the rest of his playing days. 
Um, and I just think it's going to be a real interesting conundrum for Liverpool to figure out because if he doesn't re-sign over the next few weeks and certainly at the, the tail end of this season, Liverpool have a big decision to make. And that decision might be that no one's bigger than Liverpool Football Club and Mo Salah has to go. And as much as it's hard for us to palate that and taste it, it may be the only option for us. Um, because if we're going to have to replace him, we're going to need money in to do that. And that money would be the sale of Mo Salah. And um, it's hard for me, it's, it's hard for me to envisage Mo, uh, a situation at Liverpool Football Club and Mo Salah not being there. So we shall see, and we will wait with bated breath, but it's really getting really close to time now where decision-making has to be made. And it's going to be a tough one. And it might cause a bit of pain for a while within the fan base. Um, but as they say in other clubs, we have to trust the process, don't we? Until next time, folks. This has been the Shankly Sessions on Twitter, at Session Shankly, the podcast at gmail.com, audio shows, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the Upper Tier Podcast. We will be back with a match reaction tomorrow night for the Aston Villa game. Till then, let's do this, Redman.